Supporting middle leaders in schools. Guiding the senior leadership of tomorrow. And developing your successful career in education. This is Edgecast from NAHT Edge. Yes, it's a very warm welcome to this latest episode of Edgecast. Now, don't forget you can receive every single episode of the podcast simply by subscribing to Edgecast on iTunes. And you can also follow NAHT Edge on SoundCloud to receive it and other recordings. So let's have a look at what's contained in this episode. Sheffield is on our destination list as the head of Greenhill Primary School talks about her experiences of NAHT Aspire and what it did for both staff and pupils there. And if you're not familiar with Aspire, I'll explain exactly what it is before too long. The News Bulletin looks at the College of Teaching's founding trustees, careers for girls in STEM and two other big stories. Plus, Rob Kelsall, Senior Regional Officer at NAHT, explains the impact of Prevent and what it means for middle leaders in schools. Expert advice and the sharing of ideas. Edgecast. Now, many of the traditional sources of support for school improvement have, of course, vanished. That's one of the chief reasons why NAHT Aspire exists, to give members, their staff, governors and school communities tools, resources and programmes to provide solutions to the key challenges a school is likely to face. Julia Brown is the head teacher at Greenhill Primary School in Sheffield and has been a user of the Aspire prepackaged courses and products. And Julia is on the phone now. Julia, which parts of Aspire did you find most useful? I found working with other schools from different areas, so from Nottingham and Derbyshire and Derby, was very useful because it gave us, um, in Sheffield, a, a different perspectives and new, new ways of doing things. That was very useful. It was also very useful in working with other schools because we were implementing the same things, but we weren't always implementing them at the same time. And that meant if you'd started doing something and you were, you were having some problems or some staff issues or staff were uncertain about it, you could go back and talk to the other people and they would share what had worked and the pitfalls they had. So you were able to adjust what you were doing. It was also very useful because we were able to send staff to schools where things had worked, where people were anxious and saying, oh, I don't think it'll work for us to actually go and talk to the teachers and not the leaders, that was really useful for staff to go and see and talk to peers about what was happening. So to what extent did it sort of reinvigorate the professional confidence of both you and your staff? It made us feel very confident again because we all, we all had been quite low when we'd had our satisfactory and then our requires improvement. And the reason for that, I think, mainly was because it's not a deficit model. So when the improvement advisors come into school for the first time to do the collaborative quality assurance, it really is collaborative. And we involved a, a lot of phase leaders in the school who went round with the achievement advisors. And it allowed us all to see what our strengths were and see that we were doing good things and good things were happening for our children. And we just had to tweak a few things and change a few things and add a few things. So it was that developmental dialogue that really helped us feel confident again. The achievement advisors also treated us with a great deal of respect and treated our opinions with respect. And that was very important to us because we didn't feel that we had been treated as professionals. So, Julia, how would you describe the effect that it had on on the children? It's really empowered them. The things that we were doing, like we had a school council, but it was one of those school councils really where the children just came along and um, wanted to improve the school by having a swimming pool or an adventure playground. It wasn't focused on learning. And now it is because it's given us 
through core learning skills, the termly learning conversations that children have with their teacher and their parents. It's given the staff and the children a language, a common language with which we can talk about learning. And so we have a school learner council and we have class councils. So the children are actually involved in deciding what they want to learn and how they want to learn it. And they actually, in class councils, they'll actually tell their teachers. They talk about how the learning has gone that week and they will say to their teachers, well, we liked the way you did that, that really helped, but we didn't like the fact that in that lesson you talked a lot and you didn't let us get on with our learning. So they're really empowered and engaged with what they're doing. And because teachers are feeling confident again and leadership is feeling confident again, we've been able to, to embrace that and the school is a very lively and exciting place to learn. And it sounds like a few chastened teachers, Julia. Yes, <laughs> including the... one of the assistant heads who says, <laughs> I just talk too much. They just say, I talk too much. <laughs> so last question then on this. How far is it something you'd recommend to any school and not just merely those that, that fall into the requires improvement grading then? I would really recommend it to any school. In fact, when we finish in May, April, May, my governors want us to continue with the relationship with Aspire in some way. So we're looking at that. But for schools that are good or outstanding, it just gives such a a strong framework for the whole school to pin everything on that I, I would just say, yes, go for it. I'd recommend it to anybody because I think it would get good schools to outstanding and it would just make outstanding schools even more outstanding. And if you want to find out more about the blueprint for school improvement, visit nahtaspire.co.uk. It's Edgecast, the podcast of NAHT Edge, where you're about to hear more on the subject of the prevent duty as we speak to Rob Kelsall. First, though, it's news time. The news and information from NAHT Edge. In this bulletin, the College of Teaching appoints its founding trustees. What Education Secretary Nikki Morgan said to the School Teachers Review Body, NAHT Edge's policy position on childcare funding and careers for girls in STEM, why adjectives are vital. We begin with news of a new approach to guide more girls towards a science, technology, engineering or maths STEM career. The WISE campaign has launched an app and resource pack called People Like Me, which use girls' tendencies to describe their personality and interests with adjectives to match them with careers in the STEM sector. Science outreach programmes traditionally use verbs to articulate what scientists and engineers do, something the pack and app have moved away from. The resource pack includes top tips to help students identify their strengths, a quiz for girls to choose adjectives and define their self-identity, a lesson plan and suggestions for how the materials could be used. For more information, visit wisecampaign.org.uk. The College of Teaching has named the 13 individuals tasked with the governance and direction of this new professional body. The founding trustees are made up of five teachers, three head teachers and five non-teaching professionals with specialist skills. Each will hold the voluntary position for a period of three years. Claire Docker, one of the founding trustees and lead practitioner at Lipson Cooperative Academy, said... The College of Teaching is a a once-in-a-generation opportunity and we can't just let it slip away. Our children deserve every ounce of energy we have to ensure their future education is the very best we can offer. NAHT Edge did a blog series on the College of Teaching earlier in the year. Find out what the profession said by visiting nahtedge.org.uk forward slash news and views forward slash blog listing. 
pay for teachers must remain capped at an average of 1% for 2016-17 to 17, and for the next three years, said Education Secretary Nicky Morgan, confirming advice given to the public sector pay review bodies by the Chief Secretary to the Treasury over the summer. In a letter to the School Teachers Review Body, dated the 7th of October, she wrote, There remains a strong case for continued pay restraint in the public sector. To support schools and address the retention and recruitment pressures they face, she's urged the STRB to consider granting additional flexibilities. Some of Nikki's suggestions include the possibility of allowing teachers to move down from the upper pay range to the main pay range, to receive non-consolidated payments and to extend the salary sacrifice scheme to provide scope for a salary advance scheme for rental deposits. NAHT Edge will be seeking opinions from its advisory council members and submitting a response at the end of November to the review body. The STRB's report is due to be published in April 2016. And finally, NAHT Edge has made clear its policy position on childcare funding, reflecting findings from a recent survey and meetings with the Independent Association of Prep Schools. The main headlines are as follows. Adequate revenue funding is vital for schools to continue to offer nursery places. It's imperative the Department for Education develops a national fair funding formula for nursery education. The provision of capital funding is central to the success of this policy. Schools will need time to implement the policy. Government will need to support good relationships between schools and private, voluntary and independent nurseries. And independent providers have the inclination to participate in the scheme, but they're concerned about the funding level. You can find out more on this story on our website, nahtedge.org.uk. With all the news on Edgecast, I'm John Peters. Do please get in touch with us if you're interested in producing a short blog, video or audio recording about the College of Teaching. The email address is blog at nahtedge.org.uk. Now, from July the 1st, 2015, all schools became subject to a new duty under Section 26 of the Counter-Terrorism and Security Act 2015 to have due regard to the need to prevent people being drawn into terrorism. This duty is called the Prevent Duty. NAHT has produced guidance for its members to ensure they understand the implications of the Prevent Duty and the measures their schools must put in place to meet this obligation. It's based on the Prevent Duty Departmental Advice for Schools and Child Care Providers published by the Department of Education in June 2015. Although all teachers are responsible for the safeguarding of children in their care, this advice will be of particular interest to middle leaders who are safeguarding leads. It covers how to identify those pupils at risk, respond when pupils show signs they're at risk, and ensure all the components of British values are addressed so you feel confident you're ready whenever the inspectors call. You can find the Prevent campaign and other essential advice on our website under the Help and Advice section. Rob Kelsall is a Senior Regional Officer for NAHT and has been intrinsic to the development and implementation of recommendations arising out of the Birmingham Trojan Horse Affair. And Rob is with us on Edgecast. So the first question then, Rob, can you explain in a nutshell what Prevent is and how it impacts on schools? I really want to begin by saying that Prevent Duty is certainly not about spying on pupils or carrying out any unnecessary intrusion into their family lives. And it's purely uh, about ensuring that staff at the school know how to identify behaviour of concern and how to refer pupils who may be at risk of radicalisation 
for appropriate support. And in many respects, it's part of a, a wider uh, safeguarding strategy that, in fact, you know, schools is their primary responsibility to ensure that our children and young people are kept safe. So it's, uh, it is purely uh, about recognising the signs of children who may be at risk of radicalisation and going then through a necessary process. So what steps should schools have taken by now then, Rob? So steps that schools should have taken since uh, 1st of July, and and that's when the new Prevent Duty came into being, 1st of July 2015. Uh, There's essentially four steps that they should be carrying out. The first is to ensure that the uh, designated person at the school with responsibility for child protection has actually uh, received what's called the workshop to raise uh, awareness of prevent training and that's specifically aimed at school leaders or those again with specific responsibilities for safeguarding so every school should have ensured that that training for that key individual has taken place what prevent also uh, says is that the wider awareness of uh, prevent should then be disseminated amongst the school staff through all the or mainly a program known as the RAP training. So that's, again, the workshop to raise awareness of of PREVENT. That training is available free of charge. And we're certainly signposting members to go to their local PREVENT partners, to their local authority, in order to uh, be signposted to the relevant people who can deliver that training in school. Or actually, they do uh, a series of online packages, DVD packages, that PREVENT has been designed around. Let's just hypothesise for a moment, Rob. If I were a middle leader, what should I be doing? Well, certainly as a middle leader, and again, it depends only or mainly whether or not you've been tasked with the duty in terms of a designated child protection officer at the school. But what you should be doing is carrying out an appropriate risk assessment within the school in regards to children who may be at risk of radicalisation and then to work in partnership with other agencies. We have seen certainly in the last uh, six months or so a greater partnership working uh, going on between the Park for Education, the Home Office, the police, in ensuring again that the appropriate strategies are in place for any school where there is a risk uh, of children who may be drawn into radicalisation that we're seeing. Also important that we ensure that there is appropriate IT policies in school. You'll be aware, certainly with the rise of ISIL, that radicalisation is often now being carried out online. Uh, And in fact, whilst uh, schools may not be in what's known as a priority uh, areas, radicalisation can happen, in, in fact, in any school in any part of England or Wales, for that matter. So as a middle leader, again, with anyone whose responsibility for safeguarding, uh, carries out those four simple steps uh, to ensure that they've got the appropriate strategies to refer children should they be a concern that they have. I would be keen also just to echo uh, again or dispel some of the concerns that have been raised about prevent and about a fear amongst uh, middle leaders and school leaders that in fact that identifying a child who may be at risk is somehow criminalising that child. Uh, Prevent is absolutely not about criminalising anyone. In fact, it is what it says on the tin, preventing child, children sorry, from being drawn into extremism, uh, whether that's violent or non-violent extremism. And again, uh, radicalisation extremism is a wide spectrum. So that could be uh, radicalisation from far right, from animal rights groups, or indeed, as we've seen, um, through the rise of ISIL over uh, in Syria. Can you explain uh, briefly the relationship between PREVENT and British values? The relationship is, is a very uh, simple one. Um, British values have been enshrined um, within the teaching standards for some, for some time now. 
whilst uh, British values may be uh, a label that has uh, been applied recently, what we are keen uh, to see and what and, and the relationship with prevent is that where we find that the, where British values are uh, only or mainly um, ingrained within a school setting, children are certainly less likely to be drawn into the radicalisation agenda. So what we're talking about here uh, is that where suitable and age-appropriate materials are part and parcel of the curriculum, so there's a broad and balanced curriculum, to ensure that children within schools have got a voice and that are listened to. To look how democracy works, again, is a very important aspect of what we call the British values. And what, again, is very important is that there is actually what I would describe as a safe space for children and young people to actually debate uh, the different uh, roles that religion plays within society. And again, with an overarching duty, if you like, to promote those fundamental British values that, again, helps children to have that broad and balanced approach as, as global citizens. Isn't this just lastly another aspect of safeguarding? It is entirely, uh, you know, and, and certainly uh, people like uh, NHT and, and myself, uh, along with the Home Office, the DfE, are certainly pushing that point that actually, you know, prevent is simply a safeguarding issue, no different to children uh, being drawn into gang crime, knife crime, FGM, that prevent is really part of the wider safeguarding strategies that schools should have throughout the length and breadth of, of this country. So it is safeguarding. It certainly isn't about criminalising or carrying out covert surveillance on pupils and young people. So it is that safeguarding aspect which is so, so important. Rob Kelsall there, who is co-presenting the diversification of safeguarding and challenging extremism in our schools, a workshop in London on November the 13th. There's also a blog on our website about this very subject by NAHT Specialist Advisor Sean Humphreys. You can find it at nahtedge.org.uk forward slash news and views forward slash blog listings. You can also read an article by Russell Hobby, General Secretary, of course, of the NAHT, who explores what's required of teachers in light of the Prevent Strategy. That's over at naht.org.uk forward slash welcome forward slash news hyphen and hyphen read. Connect with our tweets at NAHT Edge. We're keeping up with our quest to ensure that as a middle leader, you engage in professional development. This month, we wanted to let you know about the courses we have on offer to help you support vulnerable children in your school. It's important that teachers are able to spot the early signs of mental health problems in young people, know where to turn for help and understand the implications of the new SEND code of practice. If you're looking to address this important issue in your school, our Suspicious, Scared and Sad course provides an opportunity for you to learn more about what's meant by mental health, why it's important to understand what neuroscientists are discovering and what research tells us about how to engage children and young people with mental health needs in their learning. Struggling to embed the SEND reforms in your school? Our new one-day course on the 18th of November in London will cover the latest information on the SEND reforms and how to embed them in your early years school or college setting. As well as outlining the changes and timetable for implementation, the session will explore the legal implications and how to meet Ofsted's expectations. The various funding streams for SEND and how personal budgets are being used will also be included. You'll also go 
away with examples of effective and innovative practice. If you've recently become a leader of special educational needs provision in your school, NAHT's course on the Senko as a strategic leader on the 3rd of December in London will set out the roles and responsibilities of the Senko and offer advice and support to enable you to undertake your duties in an effective way. Finally, NAHT's annual SEND conference will take place from Thursday the 10th to Friday the 11th of March 2016 at Hinkley Island Hotel, Leicester. It'll explore the theme, promoting well-being for children, young people and staff. There's a range of workshops on offer, including the challenges of teaching a child with fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, decoding mental health, building emotional resilience in children with SEND, and Ofsted, the impact of changing and new frameworks on the inspection of provision for children with SEND. Our members can attend these events at a special discounted rate. So don't forget to add booking a place to your list of things to do this week. Simply visit naht.org.uk or contact the events team at events at naht.org.uk. Thanks for downloading or streaming Edgecast. Conversations about the podcast can be had via our Twitter, which is at NAHT Edge. As you'd expect, we're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. Next time on Edgecast. In the next episode, more essential information for middle leaders in schools with the advice and guidance you need, together with the news bulletin and your input from social media. Also, just to add, we'll be taking a break in December, so you'll hear from us next in January.